0: Hello and welcome to Dude You Should Totally Watch That. Hello. Hello. <laughs> the podcast about uh, things you should totally watch. I'm here with my good friend Dave. Hey, hey, hey. And I am Chris. And today we're going to be talking, well, trying to sell a film to each other, basically. Well, oh, two films, actually. Yeah, we're two apiece. We've both come prepared, both got notes, and both managed to find something the other hasn't seen, which is pretty impressive, given the amount of shite we want. <laughs>
1: You look all official with
0: your notes and everything. I'm just off my phone notes. <laughs> because you're the new age boy. Well, <laughs> I'd got it all, like printed out and written out.
1: <laughs> well, what you got for us first then?
0: Uh, right, yes. Yeah, so uh, we start with my first film then, which um, is going to be Electric Boogaloo: The Wild Untold Story of Canon Films.
1: And that's why everybody wants they put a stamp on pop culture. It's hard to say the worst canon films without laughing. At the end of the movie, I had tears in my eyes. And then he says, Aha, I got you. I was crying because I saw my career going down the toilet and I didn't know what
0: I was going to do next. Okay, the title alone is, is quite something. It is, it is. Uh, so it is a documentary. It's directed by a guy called Mark Hartley. He's done a few other documentaries, like Machete Maidens Unleashed, which um, looks at exploitation films from the Philippines, like um, Weng Weng, you know? Weng Weng. Yeah, I mean, did you see dude. the post? Yeah, the, I saw the... Yeah, yeah, the little, yeah. Um, so a lot of his films are covered in that. He's really cool. And then he also did Not Quite Hollywood, which was about exploitation Horrors. Uh, Mark is from Australia. exploitation. Oz, so, exploitation films from Australia. Mark uh, is from Australia. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, and he's he's, he's also done a remake of an exploitation film from 78 called Patrick. These and Electro Boogaloo are the only things that he's done. So he seems to only do documentaries, but has then done a remake of one of these, but he clearly likes his trashy, horrible films, which yeah. is perfect for uh, this documentary because <laughs> a lot of Canon films were fucking trash. <laughs> is it a good trash
1: though? That's the thing. Is it a good trash or is it just trash?
0: Yeah, I mean they're great trash. I'd say yeah, um, a lot trash. of film, a lot of our films that like I think you will have seen or are aware of. So like all the Death Death Wish franchise, ah, they're okay. all Canon films. Uh, Masters of the Universe was them. Was that them? Yeah, they did um, they did Superman 4, ah. the really bad one. <laughs> so, I mean, like, there's uh, the few the, of the, the films are, like, well-known, but they're just not good films, if you yeah, get me. Yeah, I know what you mean. So, I mean, like, some of their biggest offerings were American Ninja, they did Texas Chainsaw 2, Life Force, um, yeah. Cobra.
1: Cobra, was that uh, the Stallone movie? It is, yeah. and,
0: and, of course, they did... Break into Electric Boogaloo which the title is based on <laughs> which uh, we'll get to in a bit so like a little history of canon like, so you get an idea of like, what the documentary is about Um, it was a really bad film studio just churning out anything and everything yeah. their business model was just make as many things as you can and even if like they don't do very well you'll get enough profit back to then make the next film you're working on yeah. so you're always just kind of ahead of yourself yeah, that's cool though. And again, they are making that much stuff on a low budget that every now and again something would be a hit and it would then make back even more.
1: <laughs> it's kind of clever.
0: It was. It's like <laughs> throw anything at the water, see what sticks. <laughs> yeah. That was like their uh, their system. So most of Hollywood just saw them as trash, which they were, it was all exploitation <laughs> film, rip-offs of other films. Right. You know how like you get the Asylum films? You always see, like, there are DVDs in, like, Tesco's, and it's just knockoff of films that have come out recently. Oh, uh, very bad. Yeah, I know what you like, mean. Yeah. Uh, Pacific Rim had one. I can't remember what it was called. It was something really stupid. Shed of the Dead, that was one. Shed of the it? Dead, yeah.
1: <laughs> All these kind of films, like, that was, like,
0: their thing. And there was a lot of sex and violence in them, which didn't make them very popular with uh, critics. And the censors alike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, in turn, like, they saw Hollywood as the enemy, so they were constantly aiming to beat them to the punch or just rip them off. So like they, they saw them as rubbish, but they were always like stealing ideas from them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Cannon was like pretty much made up of two dudes, two Israeli cousins, Menahem Golan. Actually, it's pronounced Menahem Golan. And Yoram Globus. And this dude's name is actually Yoram Globus. Come on, Chris, do your fucking research, mate. <laughs> if it is wrong we'll edit it out yeah apologies if you're listening <laughs> yeah I think they're going to be listed. <laughs> but yeah under these two that's where like, the documentary really takes off it's mostly just like little anecdotes from people yeah who worked with them I mean you get like quite a few big names in the documentary doing talking head sections too um, you get Toby Hooper Alex Winter uh, Dolph uh, Lundgren uh, Franco Nero Bo Eric quite a handful of names then. Yeah, yeah, then you get yeah. a lot of the writers and the vice presidents coming in as well, giving their view of what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I can imagine it's quite a wacky little watch then, if it's based on what you've just told
1: me about it all. Yeah, because I mean... rip-offs.
0: Like, <laughs> I mean, like, some of the stories that they tell in it are pretty spectacular. I can imagine. And it's one of those documentaries as well where you'll hear something quite outlandish near the start, and you're like, that's insane. <laughs> but then something else later in the film will then top it. Ah. it just keeps riding (laughs) it's fantastic I mean just the wave of craziness so I can imagine it to be yeah yeah I mean like one of the stories they tell is about um, did you ever see Dunstan Checks In the film with the orangutan yes unfortunately yeah yeah. (laughs) so um, they managed to get the orangutan called Sam to like sign up for one of their films (laughs) <laughs> and he, they brought him in like with his agents obviously because yeah. you can't really negotiate as an orangutan and like whoever like was in the room at the time was like saying how like the agents asked Manaheim a question and they were like so what What do you want to do with him Like, what's the story and he starts like telling the story to them right. and then after about maybe five or so sentences in he just starts directing everything to the orangutan and he's like talking to him saying things like oh you see the boy he loves you he loves you like <laughs> he's gonna get a response and, from and it. they're just like stood there like all right they're saying to things like so what, what's the plan like, is the monkey gonna talk like, we don't know that yet <laughs> shit like that. wow yeah quite a pitch yeah these are the kind of guys that we're talking about they're just they had no idea what they were doing. Like they had a passion for film. They understand like um film coming magical, but they didn't understand how the magic was done. Yeah, so it was very gorilla sort. It filmmaking in a sense. It they could understand it's almost like say, I don't know, you play a video game and you and I don't know how to make a game, but
1: Yeah. We can
0: like get into like, the magic of it and we have at least like a certain understanding of how a game is made. To these guys, it was like, just by making something, you were making magic. That's Which is a very way. like, it's admirable a... way to look at yes. things, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. they knew they liked explosions, <laughs> they knew they liked romance in their films, and that's all. To them, what you need to make a film, they didn't seem to understand, just like, context. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. Just
1: sort of excess this, excess that. <laughs> exactly, that's uh,
0: <laughs> That was their style. And they were, yeah, I guess, very good, like you say. They taught people in a bar get them to sign up to do a film they'd write out a contract on a napkin yeah, and that'd be their contract to like make a film
1: god that's very uh, unofficial isn't it
0: but <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of guys that were absolutely insane there was a film he was working on and he wanted the music to be like poltergeist and the guys behind the scenes were like well we can't really do that that was like a hundred piece orchestra yeah. we don't have the budget for that we have the budget for <laughs> fucking anything yeah. and his response was just you idiot <laughs> You get a fifty-piece orchestra and you record it twice. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that works. <laughs> I, I suppose, like
0: in some regards, yeah, but also not. You get the feel of these guys, you know.
1: By already by the sounds of it, they sound just insane. So I can only imagine working under one of their productions. Yeah, so there's a lot
0: of. I mean, like you say, stories, you know, going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get like mixed views on them. I do notice it's normally, like, the women who I've seen have a worse time. But then again, some of the women do say, like, no, everything was fine, I think. Yeah. They trip, the underdogs, the up-and-comings like that, because to them, they were just actors they brought in, got the job done, got them out. Yeah. But they loved getting in big names, or, well, in their case, names that, like, were dying out a bit. Yeah. They were sort of being given- a bit like what Bella Lugosi got with Ed Wood. Yeah. He got a comeback, but it wasn't a good one. But Edward respected him. and That's why he wanted him, and that's what these guys are like. They would get actors that they respect or directors they respected and do anything for them. <laughs> I mean, there's um, an Italian director called Franco Zeffirelli. Franco Zeffirelli, yeah, he's quite a famous Italian director. He works sort of like with operas and stuff. But his section, he's like a nine-year-old boy and he looks like he's on Death's Door but he's <laughs> just sat there and he's just been so nice about them, just yeah. saying like how he never had what he had with them with any of the studio, he was allowed to like have his vision no matter what oh,
1: so they literally left creative freedom to yeah. do his own thing essentially
0: yeah, but I mean this is then when you get to the underbelly of it <laughs> where it's all fun and games listening to the stories about how they were exploiting people and treating them like shit and yeah. not really taking health safety seriously I mean, yeah, Franco was very nice about them, but Franco himself was an arsehole in person. (laughs) Um, He um, he made a lot of sexual advances on a dude called Bruce Robinson, allegedly. Who then, in turn, directed
1: with Nell and I? I was just yeah. about to say the
0: character um, Uncle Monty is actually based on Franco. Well, that because makes of, sense. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah.
1: there's that line in it where he's, he's ranting to him before they go on holiday, and he's yes. he's mentioning the newspaper, he, and
0: and he's, he's going on about the director, hmm. and so, top battalion director. <laughs> so that is yeah, that is uh, yeah, who Franco is based on because oh, he was right. such an asshole that he uh, tried to sexually assault him, oh, <laughs> along shit. with a few other guys as well. Uh, he was quite bad for it.
1: Allegedly, or did it come to fruition? And like, did it?
0: I think it was all allegations, but the allegations were quite strong and yeah, sort of whack, sort of made it, sense. And it yeah, <laughs> kind of like tied in with the kind of person Franco was. I mean, ah, shit. he was a devout Roman Catholic, but he was gay, ah. which does not really work. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, like, it was someone who, like, an artist who. Was allowed the freedom based on the fact that he was renowned beforehand, and they respected him so much in his films. He made yeah. it's like they didn't really like get him. They just got him as the artist. This is his work. Yeah, sort of not the man that. But work. but at the same time, I think even knowing what he was like, they probably wouldn't care because yeah, like, <laughs> piece of shit. Like yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. He's also he's dead now anyway, so fuck him. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Ninja 3 The Domination managed to take The Exorcist, a ninja movie, and combine it with Flashdance. Guys, Really? I mean, that's insane. But yeah, I mean, um, in terms of like, their films that were hits as well, they did the Break-In series, which was one and 2 uh, Breakin' was pretty much one of the first ever breakdancing films. Huh? And it's they wanted to beat other... like, it was starting to become a bit of a thing in the 80s, breakdancing. And the new other studios in Hollywood were maybe thinking of making one. And they were like, we need to get there first. Yeah. So they didn't... Because they're so used to like, working on a tight schedule with little budgets, they were able to do it. And they just threw it together, a little thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, the film cost them a million to make. They made back 56 million from that.
1: Yeah, shit. I mean, this is
0: these are the kinds of films where when it's stuck, it's stuck. Yeah. And then they could then sort of put a bit more of that budget into other things, which was then their downfall, as is covered in the documentary. Yeah. I'm talking a lot about like the history of them here. I mean, that is the plot of the film. Based These, on their creations. Yeah. And,
1: uh, that sounds interesting, man.
0: It, it, it sounds like I'm almost just giving everything away, but I'm not because it's all... There's not like an actual plot per se to the documentary. Yeah. It's just talking head sec- sections in telling anecdotes that follow a timeline yeah. so you put together the timeline of canon from these stories.
1: Right, okay that sounds interesting, yeah, I can yeah. imagine sort of just touching the surface with it really
0: Absolutely, yeah, because you know, it gets to like their downfall which was a pretty spectacular downfall oh really they had very bad financial issues towards the end it actually turned out that they were um, committing fraud but even before, fraud
1: I and mean, how like what how like ripping off, just, like...
0: Um, doctoring the books basically ah ok yeah but I mean they kind of had to because some of the uh, financial wars they were having were not good um, <laughs> I mean they got they got the right Superman 4 um, that was originally going to be 36 million that was like the budget they were, they were going to go with it then they pushed it to 17 million which is what they ended up sticking with yeah and it only ended up making back the 36. So, if they stuck the original budget, they would have broke, just broke even. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Massive Universe cost them 22 million. It only made back 17. So, they started getting all these big names towards the end, and that's what kind of fucked them over. Yeah. Because of things like breaking, they thought, oh, we clearly are good at making films and make films people like. It's like, well, no, you're making like 50 films a year, guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. One of them is eventually going to be a hit, yes, yeah. but that's like the same logic of monkeys at a typewriter. They actually started doing the superhero thing quite early on as well with films. Like, they got quite a few Marvel rights, and they were intending to make, I think, a Captain America, and definitely, they were definitely going to make a Spider Man. Um, but because of the failure of, like, Massive Universe and. Superman they, they had the rights and then couldn't do anything with them before they went bust yeah so sort of they got but, shelved and yeah, never materialised but like superhero films could have really materialised a lot I mean, they were kind of yeah. already there anyway but they could have really materialised there and then with them taking on all of these IPs yeah they seemed to understand that like superhero properties were popular before anyone else did yeah which was pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. To see how bad they did everything, they managed to like do a lot of things really fucking well. In the UK, they owned quite a lot of cinema chains. Oh right. Okay. Um, they funded a mail order video service in the UK, which I suppose like a predecessor to like Blockbuster and yeah. Love Film when. Oh, that God, really Love really Film. Yeah.
1: About
0: that, <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> And, like they had forty percent of the UK film market. So
1: they, they, they did quite all
0: right for themselves, really. Yeah, <laughs> but just based on having no comprehension or understanding of how cinema worked,
1: they just went and just
0: did their own thing. And
1: yeah, yeah that sounds like an interesting. In a weird way, like as you say, an underdog story. You know, it, it twists and turns in there. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'd, I'd say it's well worth watching just for the stories you hear about them. Yes, I'd say they're pretty shitty as people, <laughs> but at the same time, there's something really endearing about their story. Just yeah. hearing how they did everything, and you know, they left a mark on the cinema. They gave a lot of uh, up and comings like a decent start.
1: That's it. They made yeah. some
0: memorable stuff. So, you know, they've got that going for them. And there's a little uh, part at the end of the documentary as well saying that um, the two of them wouldn't appear in um, Electric Mugger The reason being as well was that they didn't feel they were going to get portrayed in a nice way. So <laughs> they decided they would make their own documentary called The Go-Go Boys, which released a month before this did. <laughs> so
1: they're the sticking with the thing of ripping people off and getting out before them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Up until that point, they'd actually parted ways that they'd be falling out. So it was, it's kind of nice to know that, hatred of somebody else brought them back together. Yeah. Cause um they broke up like in the late eighties I think it was. And they ended up going at each other. Like they both had their own it was Canon, I can't remember what the other studio was. Yeah. But Canon at the time before the split were looking to make another dancing film called Labanda, I think it was. Labada, <laughs> La which was the forbidden dance. So one of them was making Labada, the other one was making the forbidden dance is Labada. And it was just those two neck and neck trying to get this film out. Yeah. Like this is going to be the next big thing. Nobody else in the industry give a fuck about Labada, but <laughs> these two, and they were like, "It's going to be huge." <laughs> and then these two films came out and did not give a fuck about yeah, it. Yeah, just like
1: <laughs> n- nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> well, based on all that, I give that a
0: check. You know, Yes.
1: Yeah. sounds like you've got a bit of intrigue, mystery in there. You know, yeah, it's just <laughs> an, it's just an, like
0: if you're into learning how things are behind the scenes in making films, this is quite an interesting film to look at. A lot of their business ethics would not fly yeah. in this day and age, which rightfully sure yeah, they shouldn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, but some of that. Yeah. But it's
0: interesting to see how it used to be, I suppose. Yeah. It's a nice little historical piece. Different
1: time, isn't it, I suppose. You know, it's, things yeah. have evolved since, I mean, you know, since all that, so it's...
0: Yeah, I mean, we think of cinema now, but it's quite sterile, cookie-cutter, it's yeah, by the books. It's... You don't really get this sort of guerrilla tactics. No, just Way make, make it yourself. It, you know, get a video camera, go out and do it yourself. It's all like... I mean, I mean that does still happen, but just not to the degree these guys are yeah. doing where, like, they, they were able to throw millions around. They were, <laughs> yeah. they were amateurs, but they just had a lot of money behind them. Which is it's, it's always a good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even things like New Line, which would have been similar to a degree in terms of the budgets and everything yeah. at the time. Even they're quite a big-name studio now. You don't... Yeah. You wouldn't get them pulling these kind of tactics, they would run with the Hollywood big dogs.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, because New Line are quite a, a reputable company now, aren't they, sir? So, yeah. You know, it's... It's, yeah. It's nice seeing how it used to be.
0: God, we are in so much trouble.
1: Okay, see, that was the first That was your first pitch, and I will say on that one, I am sold. So, yeah, I'll give that one a watch. Yeah, is it, is it available on streaming services?
0: Um, I believe it is available on Amazon. Prime, awesome. Prime.
1: Okay. Yeah. I
0: just got a download of it though. Don't know where I got it. I think I would it from Amazon, just as it's as it is, rather than yeah. streaming it.
1: Ah, fair man. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm sold. Fantastic. <laughs> I guess it's my turn now then, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's get film number two, which is an early eighties movie called Wolfen. Wolfen. Right, and uh, you won't be able to see this because obviously it's a podcast well, but a through the through few, the
0: magic of audio description we could we could tell you what here. is happening so
1: this is the uh, artwork of the movie uh, just keep it there just don't read too much of that Okay. okay. also some postcards
0: so for the listeners at home uh, it's like a neon blue wolf's face in the shadows with a wolf and scratched in white over it. It's, uh, pretty, it's pretty good. poster. Oh, is this like the original poster? Aye, man. Ah, okay. An Orion film as well, okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm feeling, well... you got well, postcards here as well, man.
0: Well, I'm feeling it's definitely a werewolf film. You're yeah, on the, the, right the right tracks. <laughs> I'm assuming from the look of the poster, it's an 80s werewolf film. Aye, man. 81. Yeah.
1: 1981,
0: when, I believe. When was... Oh, yeah. When was American Werewolf? It's intriguing
1: you say that. I was going to um, say, is
0: this like a sort of riding on the coattails of, or is it prior? It's the same year. It right. was uh, okay. made,
1: I believe, along the same time, but it was released a couple of months just after American Werewolf in London. Also, The Howling came out that year as well,
0: so it was it's a nice holy trinity of werewolf films, Three
1: then. pretty good werewolf yeah. movies.
0: See, I've seen American Werewolf and I've seen The Howling. I've heard Of Wolf but I've not seen it. You've not seen it. it. Is it like on par with the two then
1: personally for me i i I think it's one of my favorite
0: ones of the three really yeah um it's quite
1: interesting if you take a look at that postcard there
0: it's like a sort of uh, blue line into everything everything's outlined like when you do the cartoon um filter on your phone i mean is that like the well is that the well vision yeah right you've
1: you've smacked it right on the head there (laughs) basically it's the first movie that introduced the sort of Predator vision, the thermo cam vision, you okay. know, when it's stock and you know, the prey is being stalked. You know, that's what get an inspiration to Predator. It'd never been done in a film before, so this is the first one. You know, like you say, you see Predator, and you know, it's watching down on the trees, and you know, the vision goes different sort
0: of like your body heats and Lawyeristic stuff. point of view. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, it's
1: got that. The first introduction of that and. Uh, it's, in a way, it's got a bit of a feel of uh, maniac cop to it, in the way okay. it's done. It's you know that dark New York
0: grittiness
1: to it. You know, it's...
0: so I'm um, assuming then you don't see the werewolves for a while, do you? Or do they come straight out the gate with the werewolves?
1: It's it's pretty it's pretty much set. Up, but that's the thing. I'm okay. not going to say too much. But, okay. You know, you, you keep saying werewolf, but. It completely flips it on its head. Right, like, okay. You'll so... be watching it and it sets it up so generic in a sense, werewolf movie. Do you know, like in American Wild in London, you've got them on the, the Mars, aren't you? And then it, they're, they're attacked attacks. well. Yeah, kind of similar setup, you know, and you're like, ah, we know where this is going.
0: Yeah. On. When when I heard Wolfen, I also thought, like, German for some reason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: the carnival You got yourself some kind of Meat
1: eater, meat eater. Meat eater. <laughs> I've been doing a few of your little clips, you might have heard some music on it. You might have heard some of the Yeah, music. the
0: music was quite prominent in the little um, clips I got for the Stings. Yeah, so did did you
1: recognise anything from from the, the music?
0: It sounded familiar, but I couldn't like, put my finger on it. Familiar, yeah. right, okay,
1: well, it's a dude called James Horner. Right. He did Aliens, right. Commando, Cocoon, Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek Three, The Search for Spock. Crawl,
0: and he did an episode of Tales from the Crypt. So you've got some pretty prolific people behind the scenes with it, then. Yeah, I mean, okay. in
1: terms of the music, it's it's really odd listening to it, because uh, there's snippets of it where you're like, hang on, that's that's Aliens. Yeah. Because if you listen to it, it is essentially Aliens, you know, on Aliens where they're, say, uh, do you know the bit where they've got into the, the, the car thing, the, the tank? Oh, the like, tank buggy is. thing, yeah. Yeah, and you know the, the driving, that music 's playing, yeah. it's, it's proper going, it's it's like that, but it's a little more ominous and eerie. Okay. But yeah, man, it's, it's definitely one to watch, I'd say, just for the fact that what you think, you know, is happening, typical detective investigating grisly murders, and okay. you know, obviously by the poster, it's full moon, you know, you're like, oh, okay. But then, yeah, it just flips on its head, and it's not really quite like any other werewolf movie you've seen. Okay. I mean, I don't it, want to say too
0: much. I was going to say, yeah, are you able to so elaborate about giving away too much?
1: Not particularly, no, okay. <laughs> okay. It's, it's one of those, it's kind of what you think is the enemy, isn't, you know, okay. it's a pretty goddamn good movie, man, it's, it, it sets the tone nicely, because uh, it's so dark, mm. the way it's, not not in the sense of material, I mean, I suppose it is, yeah. but in terms of the way it's made, it's very, like, concrete jungle, you know, it's, yeah. it's very decaying. What's the... Know? What's the crap of
0: the cast? Has it got quite a decent
1: cast? Um it's got Albert Finney in it, he's the main guy. And then you've got a few little cameos in it of people you might know like strickland from uh backs to the futures using <laughs> it. it for a split second and uh you've got out of uh Diage, you know the carpies in it like split seconds but yeah in terms of cast it's not a big cast at all there's not many yeah. names in there that you'll know other than
0: albert finney but, but i mean do they all do a good job at least
1: personally i think so yeah albert finney yeah i mean he, he kind of doesn't really say much he's more of just a Presence
0: there, it's more in like how he carries himself than what he says. Yeah, that's it,
1: is the Basically, he's brought back into this case. You know, he's he's thrown off the force and then he's brought back on because he's like he's the hard ass that can deal with this kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, he's quite stoic, really. He just, you know, sometimes he doesn't even reply. I think when I was watching it at the first like tire, I was just like, is he going to reply to anyone yet? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he just stone looks. Yeah, yeah. pretty much because he knows something fishy's going on, and uh, all all of these other like co-workers are like, you know, yeah, it's just some nut job on the run, and he's just it's
0: got to be something. Right, okay, so it's just completely removed from the usual cop way of thinking. Yeah, that's it. There's something more afoot.
1: Yeah, that's it, because that's kind of how the film starts, you know, it's like the shit goes down, you know, in in the first scene and tells the tale and it's about looking deeper into things, but yeah, it's it's one of those you'll watch it and you'll think it is just you know, it's going to be what it is. You really don't, and it just totally flips the whole werewolf thing on its head and I think it's just a really cool little movement. Yeah. Really fun as well. You know, it's it's quite tense as well still. With the the whole, the way the the Predator vision's done, if I might call it that. Yeah, it's... it's, Because it it changes constantly. Like, there's a bit where I think it crawls into, like, a a sewer shaft, a vent shaft, it's you know following while they're walking on the grid. The way the music is, yeah. as you know, with aliens, it's a bit does, reserved. You know, does the vision
0: change based on what it's doing? It's like, yes, it, yeah, right, okay. It's
1: got that exaggerating the heartbeat. It's like you yeah. know. D- 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 when it gets scary, you start hearing that more, and then if they start shouting, the face goes sort of red, you know, because they're getting scared and yeah. angry or something. Yeah, nice. man, it's really cool and as well. It's just the way it's shot. It's shot all around New York, so you've got some fucking spectacular you know, skyline views. And yeah, man, I'd say go with go with Wolfen. You know, it's it's kind of clever, and I like that about it because it was. Uh,
0: Yes, yeah, like it draws you in with yeah. the promise of what you expect of a werewolf film, and it, by the sounds sounds it, it does that well. <laughs> yeah. But then it gives a little bit extra too.
1: That's it, man. Okay, yeah, okay. It's, it's kind of uh, I think you'd appreciate the twist as well because I know it's I don't want to say it, but it's something you you I think intrigues you. Yeah. So. Well, like,
0: again, that's what I really like about. American Werewolf because it does take the werewolf film and give it that little bit extra. Aid, yeah. of it sort of goes in a different direction to it and does something else.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I'd say Wolfen in terms of tone is, is probably the darker of the two.
0: Yeah, American Werewolf was a bit more comedic. It, it was supposed to be dark comedy. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: it. It was. Don't get me wrong. It's still quite a dark film. Oh yeah, but it's still. It's got a lot of comic relief in it, and yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's great. But I'd say Wolfen's probably. Uh, hell of a lot more serious yeah yeah man but yeah I'd, I'd definitely give it a watch just for the music alone because you know when it's it's obviously the exciting scenes you've got and you're like this is aliens but it's not yeah. you know, it predated aliens you know and it's it's just insane the way it, it's sort of fallen off the radar this film released 1981 you know you've got the howling American Werewolf in London coming out so it's obviously those two are quite groundbreaking weren't they obviously American Werewolf you had the, the transformation didn't you yeah, yeah. Whereas this doesn't really have that so much, it's pretty much off the bat, you
0: know, straight into it, you know, it's
1: an interesting little movie and I think uh, it will
0: keep you, keep you gripped i think then that is a recommendation that has worked for me i think i'll right. definitely watch watching wolfen you sold on it man. i you am sold. yeah absolutely <laughs> the little snippets i heard sounded pretty interesting pretty interesting it, yeah but even, man. even that was enough to sell it's
1: just the whole shot you know the predator camera alone, mm. and that's just so fascinating to watch yeah yeah Do you know the, the creature perspective i don't think could quite be seen i don't even think you'd necessarily see that in american Werewolf in London. I think you see so you, a, you do. a little, a few little it's, bits,
0: but not to that degree. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's just the camera. Yeah, you're not yeah. moving with it as much. You're not seeing like through its eyes That's properly. It. You're moving okay. along
1: with it, but you're not getting the visual sort of thermo stuff with it. You know, and that for me really sold me the way the music goes with it. And yeah, you know, it's like it's really tense because there's a bit I, can't, I don't really know the name, but you know when you have them outside. And the, you hang them up and they sort of clang together. And wind charms. Wind charms, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, basically, at the beginning, it sets up with that. And Good. there's some throughout the whole scene just going and going and going. And that's when the wolf starts coming to far, And it's the way it strikes with those wind charms going. It's fucking ace, match All right, okay. I right, hope you sold. <laughs> I am, I'm absolutely sold on that. Wolfen. Right, shall we do it with the third film then? Hi Man, what are you trying to sell me on your third film?
0: So, Second the third <laughs> film, and my final film, is Master of the Flying Guillotine.
1: Okay. He comes from beyond time. From beyond the outer limits of your imagination. He's the Master of the
0: Flying Guillotine. Um, it's a direct sequel to another film called The one Arm Boxer. So, its other name is one Arm Boxer 2 or the one on boxer versus the flying guillotine. It's one of those that has multiple titles, depending on where it was being sold to. What decade was it released, did you say? This was 76, the 70s, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a 1976 martial arts Chinese film. Yeah. Martial arts Chinese film. Yeah.
1: Okay, is it dubbed?
0: Um, The version I have is dubbed. I've got quite an older one. Um, I think I'll get into that a bit later, but I think the dubbing in my version kind of adds to like, the shlocky charm of it. Yeah, I get you. I've seen clips of it with the original audio, and yeah, it's, it's nice having the original audio there, yeah. but given the kind of film this is. Does it give it that Kung Pao quality? <laughs> it, yeah, in fact, I, it's funny you mentioned that. They do actually use some of the scenes from this in Kung Pao. Oh, right, okay. Well, actually, no, that is a complete lie. <laughs> no, they did not. But the guy who wrote, starred, and directed in it, Wang Yu, he was in another film called Tiger and Crane Fists, and footage from that is used in Kung Pao. Um, the, the chosen one actually is the guy who is in... Yeah, it's super over, yeah. isn't it? Ah, yeah, shit, okay. So, yeah, it's got, it's got that little tied to it. And it is very much the kind of film that Kung Pao would have been based on. Yeah. It's a lot less restraint than, say later films like House of Flying Daggers and Crouching Tiger. It's very exaggerated. Then very exaggerated. It's very yeah. cinematic. It's more about the cinema experience than actual showcase of martial arts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So in terms of violence then, is it up there?
0: Yeah, there's some pretty violent scenes. There's some pretty good scenes. I mean, uh, Wang Yu is very good at martial arts and his skills do come through. Yeah. because They do take a back seat to the spectacle, I guess you'd call it.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you're telling me about it, and the title alone, it kind of I'm feeling like it's it's going to be a sort of an early Bruce Lee type movie, you know, like Fist of Fury and Way of the
0: Dragon. It's, you know, it's a of. it's a bit more in silly than that. Oh, in fact. really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, Wang Yu, he's credited with bringing Chinese martial art. Film's to popularity as well, um, and the founder in a sense. Yeah, one of his other big films was the one armed um, Swordsman, which did quite well. Um, yeah,
1: none of these I've seen, so yeah. He actually,
0: as well, he did sort of lose popularity with the rise of Bruce Lee. I think as mm-hmm. Bruce yeah. Lee went more with American audiences and minds. Wang set the scene; he showed that these films existed. Yeah, the way. Bruce Lee sort of gave it that sort of little touch to make Americans a bit more on board and make it more accessible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zunjia, not the time. <laughs> it's quite influential as well. The master he kind of looks like pa May from Kill Bill. Yeah. The, the you know the long mustache. Yeah. Looks very similar to the master of the flying guillotine in this. He is an old blind imperial assassin who lives in the mountains, disguised as a Buddhist monk. Oh, uh, okay. The film opens with him, and he receives a letter. Uh, I'm not really sure how he reads it though. He's blind, but hey-ho. um, he's saying that his Tibetan lamas have been killed by the one-armed boxer, which is what happened in the previous film. Right. His response to finding out this is that he is going to travel the land with his flying guillotine to. Find and kill the one-armed boxer just to show what a batshit crazy fucker he is. He, <laughs> he basically blows up his house before he leaves. Oh, uh, that's <laughs> a statement of intent. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then just like the icing on the cake is he's got a big bib that has a swastika on it because um, the swastika is a Buddhist symbol. Yeah. It was before. Well, like a peace symbol, but just like tilted <laughs> or something. I'm sure actually in the notes I do have a what it was to Buddhism. Fertility symbol or
1: something. I don't I'm sure that's what I read up somewhere before. It
0: might be I think it's going to be like balance as well. Oh no, here we go. So um yes. It symbolises the footprints of Buddha and eternal cycling. Ah. That is what it means to him. So that's why he has it on his chest. Uh, <laughs> but it is a little bizarre. I mean to a fair it's seventy six, so that's a bit I say been and gone. They'd had their moment in the sun. <laughs> they have not quite gone unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so this probably should have still known better but yeah. I suppose it's a Chinese film there's a lot of Buddhist their yeah. own religion in there so you know, to them it is still that symbol yeah. but for us watching it it is a little bit It's just a, a whole new meaning It's just a little <laughs> tittle just watching this blind cunt just running over the mountains yeah. the I mean as well I'm saying that he travels the country with his flying to kill a one-armed man you think oh that's going to narrow it down. He meets at least two or three one-armed men, I think, and kills yeah. them before he gets the one-armed boxer. There's quite a lot of these one-armed men just kicking about.
1: One-armed men just just, just everywhere. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And The flying guillotine is, at possibly one of the best weapons in a martial arts film ever made. It is actually based on a real weapon from the King Dynasty. Uh, so the idea is it's almost like a hood that you would throw over someone's head and then pull back, which would then have it slice the head off. Oh, okay. I think it was more for... It's more like an execution thing. Um, yeah. Obviously in the film it's used a bit more as an actual weapon. I don't think you would get people like on the battlefield using these because yeah. they're pretty hard to use. Impractical. I mean, you, yeah, you need to get it over someone's fucking head. Uh, yeah. But in, in this it is used a devastating effect and it's fantastic. So cool. would you say it's up there with your martial arts favourites? I think this might be my favourite martial arts film. Um, uh, the favourite. I think it is the favourite just because of everything it has going on. It is pure spectacle. The fighting is, like, great and choreographed really well, but it's just the practical aspect of the insanity. I mean, you've got a dude who's... He's an Indian guy who's got an attack hole, but he's not actually an Indian guy because he's a Chinese person in brownface. And, like, his... His big draw, apart from the attack owl, is he has really long arms. Like they extend, yeah. and he just fights you from afar. <laughs> it's kind of like um, the boxing dude from Mighty Boots. <laughs> <laughs> or like Mister Tickle. Yeah. In fact, if you um, if you played Street Fighter, you know is it Dal Sim, the um, the priest? I'm not sure. To be fair, man, it, uh, there's a dude in Street Fighter who has long arms, and uh, just... that's who he's based on. The oh. long armed ninja, but not quite dude from Master of <laughs> the Flying Guillotine. This is what I mean going back to when I said it's quite influential. Um, yeah. It is a film that still is used here and there in <laughs> London. Yeah, it's had quite a, an effect on various of the sources, yeah. 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 Um, but just what matters is how it still works today. It stands up for entertainment. And it does. Purposes. There's a lot of really cool scenes, there's a lot of like cool ways that they get to people. So the the master has his little sidekicks, his henchies, his yeah. subordinates, and one of them is the engine guy. And there's another dude who I think is really good at kickboxing. Yes. And the one eyed boxer tricks him and lures him into a house where metal plates have been put on the floor. Whilst the one eyed boxer's students like fires underneath the house, so the metal gets really hot. Oh. The one eyed boxer like tries to stay off his feet and off the grounds. Whereas um, the kickboxer dude, because his feet are now almost incapacitated, he kind of loses his, his abilities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just clever little things like that. And when you meet the one-eyed boxer, he is running a dojo and he enters what is almost a Mortal Kombat tournament in the uh, city. Ah, okay. Uh, and- Everyone comes in with their own special <laughs> techniques and weapons and styles. Like underground fight club kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not even underground. right in the open. Oh, Everyone's right, watching. Okay. Um, like, all the officials, like the lords, are all there in ah, okay. yeah it's, They're a fight to the death each time. The arenas are in, the arenas are insane. There's one where they're fighting on top of bamboo canes. and In the ground, a are loads of stords poking out. Ah, so if you okay. fall off someone, you're going to get fucked up. Yeah. so again that's that sort of more well, combat feel Yeah, it brings a lot of the um, dry, possibly unintentional humour out, there's one bit where two fighters go at each other and one gets the killing blow, and, well he's won it turns out when he did the blow he also took one and also <laughs> dies and <laughs> the referee just comes out and goes, take the two winners away <laughs> just, like pull the bodies away
1: <laughs> so it's, it's one of those films then that you kind of you're watching
0: it for what it is, right, you're just not, pure entertainment. Just purposes. entertainment yeah. yeah, absolutely. Just a bit of bloodshed, bit of goofiness. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of blood, uh, there's plenty of insane action, things you wouldn't see anywhere else that you just couldn't get away with yeah. now. <laughs> You'd probably get away with them, but I just don't. It just wouldn't it, work, yeah, would it? Yeah, I mean,
1: you know, you see those movies from that, that time ago and you're like, it's still good, but it just wouldn't work today. Yeah. The special visual effects filmed entirely in Super Cinevision as the master of the fine
0: guillotine encounters the most amazing creatures in this or any world. So the soundtrack uses a lot of 60s and 70s German prog and psychedelic rock bands. Yeah. There's like craft work and stuff on the soundtrack. But they got none of the rights for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they just released it with all this music yeah. since it's released and since it got more popular they've managed to get permission to use it in oh, so further they releases it. Like, I thought they'd have had issues with like, copyright infringement I think the film was just that good it's, yeah, it's just such a testament to how good a film it is that these fans saw and just went yeah go on then I'll, yeah. Yeah, I'll let you use it's, my um, stuff it's actually one of um, Tarantino's favourite films of all time as well oh, yeah, um, okay. one of the songs from the film theme Super 16 is used in Kill Bill Oh, so, yeah. as well as um, Palme, you've also got that yeah. um, connection there. Very it's influential, it's yeah. Very influential, very entertaining, and just all around a good watch. I am sold. Yeah, yeah I I'd give it, that a watch, because, you know, uh, it's, it's... Like
1: you say, you don't really get that anymore, do yeah. you? I
0: mean, uh, the best way i describe it is, let's say House of Flying Daggers, that's like your Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. Book. This is more like your Uncle Sam's uh, circus that comes to uh, Bilton Town Hall every year in September. Yeah. Like it's still entertaining, but in its, own, it's, in not, it's it's not not polished. Way. It's not trying to be anything refined or restrained. It's just daft fun. It's just what it is. But it just also happens to have great martial arts in it too. <laughs> Which you can't go wrong. With you them. can't. No. Ah, hell yeah, man.
1: So I haven't really seen like other than say like I don't know the Bruce Lee movies and stuff like that. Martial arts movies—I've never really looked into them that much. it's this, just purely—I don't know—just just never really grabbed my attention.
0: Really. There are some really good ones, like um, Thirty Six Chambers Challenge. Really good. They are worth watching. There are a lot of really entertaining ones out there. It's not always just the focus on the fight. You do get ones that do the lines a bit. Um, yeah. You have like Jackie Chan's Drunken Master. Oh uh, yeah. I've got one downloaded. Which is called the crippled masters, which is pretty cool. You've got a dude who's got, <laughs> you got a dude who's got no arms and a dude who's got no legs. Oh,
1: okay. But they have
0: their own fighting styles that they use based on the yeah. limbs they do have, and that's quite an interesting. That would be oddity. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wing Wing's films, their martial arts mm. films. Wing Wing was actually quite good at martial <laughs> arts, despite being I don't know what it was like. I think the dude was like twenty inches tall. He was small. Martial artist. Yeah, maybe a bit. Yeah, actually, not as big as 20 inches, but still, yeah. Oh, but again, yeah. I cannot stress enough if you can find a copy with um, the dubbing rather than the subs, Yeah, that's going to really knock up the camp factor. Going to get the dubbed version, it's, yeah. You, <laughs> if, if you're a fan of Kung Pao, it's yeah. the perfect thing. No, there we go. Watch, <laughs> you know. Do as a double bill. Yeah. You've got the main actor in there as well? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. It's side, man. I'm sold. Awesome. Sold. Yeah.
1: The Master of the Flying Guillotine. Alright then, well, uh, shall we go straight into number four? Alright. Right, so my second pitch is the 1986 film Manhunter. <laughs> aware of anything on it? No. You are not. Okay, let me start with a question then. Okay. So when the character Hannibal Lecter pops to mind, who do you think initially?
0: Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Yeah.
1: Is that the first person who springs to mind?
0: It, like, portraying it, that character? It is, yeah. I know there's like the TV series, but I have no idea who the dude is who plays him kind of a watch
1: Well, um, originally um, it was Brian Cox um, okay. who portrayed... At,
0: uh, I'm assuming this isn't the um, astrologer Brian Cox.
1: Uh Not no, not him. The actor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, imagine that. Fucking <laughs> <him> serial killer. <laughs> We're on to you, Brian. <laughs> is he? Yeah. Is he an astrologer? Or is he something? He, yeah, he's, he's a just
0: science just boy. Something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's just always talking about the universe. I assume it's astrology. Remember the Python thing he did when he uh got run over by fucking Stephen Hawking?
1: What? <laughs> what? So, do you not remember? No. Well, um, uh, yeah, it was during. I think they did like a, a comeback show, didn't they? It was a live show, and it sold out within seconds. And right. Uh yeah, they filmed a bit with um who's Brian Cox? He was just ch- talking. It was the uh, Galaxy song. Right. And then Stephen Hawking's just. Comes along and mows him down. Or <laughs> into him? Yeah, knocks him over, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to find it
0: for you. <laughs> have you seen the, um, the video where someone just dubbed it over? <laughs> it's just him talking. <laughs> yeah. It's just the voice. I love it? helicopter rides.
1: Oh, really <laughs> Fuck it, out. I've lost all train of thought now. So, yeah, ride um... uh, fuck. <laughs> Hannibal, Brian Cox. Yeah, Manhunter. It's um, obviously uh, it's the first adaptation of a Thomas Harris novel, right? Okay. Which doesn't utilise the name of the book. You know, you've got obviously Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, and Hannibal. Um, yeah. you've got those three. Whereas this, it's uh, it's obviously an adaptation of Red Dragon. Right, book. Uh, but it's 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 kind of weird because they've done it like a an eighties neo noir sort of thing, you know, with
0: the neon lights and stuff like uh, that. So they're taking the story, but because they've modernised it to such a degree, they didn't feel right using the title then.
1: It's it, I'm not too sure why. I don't. I don't recall ever reading up as to why they didn't use the title. But it is an adaptation. The characters are the same names and everything in Red Dragon. Like he's called Will Grenfell or something like that. I can't remember too much. Don't okay. quote me on that. But yeah, it's kind of interesting to see because uh, think a bit like Silence of the Lambs, you know, where it's psychological. Not really a lot happens, but it leads you, you know, to that sort of tense. It's sort of shit's gonna go down, which it does. But it's interesting because it it's an 80s movie. For me, that really works because it just adds something a little darker to it, Seems in a like, weird
0: way. You know, that sort of... So it's like a synthwave remix of Red Dragon.
1: Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you could say that, yeah. And then you've obviously got Brian Cox as, uh, as Hannibal Lecter, you know. You've got, obviously, the scenes in the cells and pretty much like Silence of the Lambs, what you see, yeah. but Brian Cox's turn ain't too bad. I think, if I remember rightly, yeah, he based his uh, his portrayal of the character on a Scottish serial killer or something like that. Okay, yeah, funny enough, he had a name like Manuel or something like that. I said it, it was just like, uh. <laughs> but yeah, it's the way it is. It's it's your typical cop movie, but in terms of um, an adaptation, I think with the Manhunter version of it, it's. I think I like the style more. It, it kind of fits with it, you know. It's this rogue cop. He's semi-retired, I believe, and then comes back into it, you know. But it's, it's, in a sense, it is a bit similar. Yeah, yeah. To Wolfen, but the... you have gone for a theme here, then. Unintentionally. <laughs> Unintentionally, yeah. Well, let me just bring up some facts on the movie. Ah, there we go. There's one fact. So it's the only known adaptation of a Thomas harris uh, novel where dr hannibal Lecter is never seen out of his prison cell okay so that's interesting yeah because quite a confined character isn't he and that kind of makes it a little more unnerving as well to think like this guy if he wanted to he could get out you know and obviously in science i think you see that don't you at some point he he gets out yeah because
0: that's how the film ends (laughs) yeah and he cuts his face doesn't he yeah that's it yeah He's going to go and eat the president. Yeah, yeah,
1: something like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, no, that's right, no. No, God, I'm going back here. No, they did call it Manhunter, because they were initially going to call it Red Dragon. Right. But there was, um, in eight, I think, 85, 86 when it came out, there was a film um, going to have
0: a uh, some going to get like, a little martial arts film. You know, it, really. <laughs> it had
1: Dragon in the title, and they didn't want to clash, so that's the reason why they changed it. Right. right. For me, it stands up above the others, really because uh it is a lot darker you know there's shots where it's it's like an investigation is taken out somewhere but it's always got that backdrop of neon yeah and you know where it makes it makes for that sleazy sort of you know feel to it as i thought the others were a little more polished whereas this it's more raw and it's it kind of fits more with because it sounds more seedy yeah yeah yeah, because well he's tracking down a guy called the tooth fairy yeah man it's just one of those it's just a chase like throughout you know it's it builds up and builds up and builds up in essence it's cat and mouse because you've got Lecter pitting him off against him and then he's planting seeds and it's just this big spiral you know and it just explodes man more so than more so than red dragon like don't get me wrong that is a good movie but manhunter the way it goes it builds and builds and builds and it's constantly like no this is it this is the moment this is the moment this is where it's happened but it doesn't and then it gets to it and it boom you know and it's it's a fucking nice little movie man and just 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 for the 80s nostalgia I suppose as well it's it's got that going for it like some moments are like ah pretty goofy now like there's some bits with fucking Brian Cox where he says certain things and you're like "Mm, you know that's a bit but it works you know it's kind
0: of that's a a bit you mean it's like bad dialogue or just things that that probably wouldn't (laughs)
1: It just wouldn't say now, you know. It's just cringe, okay. yeah. Like,
0: there's,
1: it doesn't stand up well, you know. But right. other than that, they're my only criticisms, and it's a fast-paced movie. It's a bit of a it. You know, it's, it's a cat and mouse. So mm. it's, it's just an all-around pure entertainment.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a theme of what we've picked here today overall. These are all films that are just there for entertainment value. They're spectacle.
1: Yeah, there's no
0: deeper meaning. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that really isn't like that, I suppose, is the documentary. But that is a documentary on films like the film we've yeah, just covered. Yeah, that's it, you know. Just just like the cherry on the top. It's the yeah. analysis of that world. Yeah, that yeah. sort
1: of... Because these are, like, Wolf and that's a low
0: budget, you know. It's, and they're, Manhunt are the same. They're, they're, they're great films. They're just not ever going to have, like, critical acclaim. They're not going to...
1: Yeah, that's Be it.
0: dissecting, and analysed yeah, film or anything. Because yeah. they
1: are just what they are, you yeah. know. It's, there's, there's nothing... But then again, I'm saying that, and I'm just... I'm going back to this. When I said deeper meaning, it's
0: like, wow, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> that one there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The little twist and the turns, you know. Yeah, because, I mean, films like that can be capable of covering those kind of um, things. I mean, they live, I'd say, is very on par, the films we've done here. Yeah. Very, like, campy it's... and just... You just it's making a point, you know, as well. Yeah. It's got that sort of element of
1: satire about yeah, it. Yeah. You
0: know, like, uh, control. So, yeah, so these films are capable of that, but you just, in all instances here, the entertainment factor has always been paramount.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's as, just... It's you know that's the top level is the entertainment as is. long as
0: people are going to be sat in the cinema whooping and cheering that's then that's, that's it. what they want yeah you've succeeded you yeah know, that,
1: that is exactly what you want and i think from manhunter it's you know in the 80s you've got a, you've got a hell of a lot of cops and serial killer movies haven't you you know but this it's uh it's quite stylish as well at the same time like again going back to the cinema photography just just that sort of concrete cell block sort of feel you know the way the 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 city's portrayed it. It's not a nice place, but, you know, it's, it's visually spectacular and it's trying to get to the disease at the root of its source, you yeah. know, and kill it out that way.
0: With a character like Hannibal Lecter, do they do anything to, <laughs> to move it beyond just entertainment at face value? Is there any, like, work in the camera? Where, like, do they make him menacing just in the whole? Yes. Okay. It's,
1: uh, it's very... Uh... Very symmetrical, like it's very Stanley Kubrick-esque, you know, with the okay. close-ups,
0: you know, very still. I mean, what what kind of, like, inc- like, engagement is he in, is it just...
1: It's it's not like a, a, a cell as much, it's, uh, well, it is actually, yeah, it's the cell with the bars and it's the white rooms, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and he's just in his white t-shirt and I think, like, black pants or something, so he's very, very simple, but at the same time, you, you know what this guy's capable of, yeah. he is a killer, and... He doesn't really have to, to move much, because he's
0: quite a... Yeah, I mean, does he, like, when he's in the scenes that you know the scenes, like, even how it's set up, so like, it almost looks like everyone else is in yeah, yeah. That yeah, Everyone else is engaged in his mm. team who's like got the power, he's the one who's free. Well, that comes to fruition, actually. Right. Yeah. okay. That yeah. comes
1: to fruition, like he does something. I'm not going to say what, but you're, you're kind of like, no, nah, this dude's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that's Manhunter and Wolfham. Those are my two suggestions. Fantastic.
0: I'd say both suggestions have definitely come across positively with me. I'm definitely going to check both of them out. (laughs) And I hope that Electric Boogaloo, the wild and told story kind of films and the mash of the flying guillotine has come to your liking. Hell yeah man, I'm I'm more than happy to check those out. Fantastic. I hope the people at home also feel that way about the films we've covered. Yeah,
1: maybe leave some comments if you've seen them and let us know what you think or Go out and watch them and get back to us with your opinion. opinions. Yeah, yeah. Tell us if you think we're wrong and the pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> we have no taste. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, you, Chris, get back to me on you, it when you get to watch them. And Absolutely, and likewise, yeah. You could do a follow-up and say yeah, what was see. Yeah. <laughs> <A> retrospective. <laughs> yeah. We can put
0: that for the Patreons only. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah membership aren't they <only. laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're never going to get a on no one's going to give us money <laughs>
1: yeah man that's, I'd say that's my
0: my thoughts on those brilliant well, I guess uh, we can wrap it up here then All right. so that has been the first episode of Dude You should Totally Watch That I have been Chris and I have been David you should definitely listen to this <laughs> <laughs>